flames, dinosaur pain. We ain't coming back, we all go insane. Ice age now, everything is going dark. Ice age, here I am alone in the dark. And I'm like, oh damn, tsunami waves coming in hot. I got the earth magnified all up in the spot. Lava, lava, volcano coming through. Lava, lava, volcano, it's on to you. We got magma, lava, dinosaurs hurt. Lava, magma, dinosaurs twerk. What it gonna be when you gotta be a jerk? I'm like dinosaurs dying and I'm out here, it hurts. Dinosaurs dying, dinosaurs crying. Ain't nobody coming back, everybody's supplying the earth with the ashes. Earth gonna burn. Dinosaurs flipping out, I'm flipping out, turning them dinosaurs hurt. Dinosaurs hurt, dinosaurs hurt, dinosaurs crying. Dinosaurs flipping, dinosaurs flying. Nothing coming back, everything dead. Ashes to away. Dinosaurs, 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 we got the dinosaurs, 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 we got the dinosaurs, 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 we got the dinosaurs. Hi, welcome to Analog Thoughts. I'm your host, Steven, aka Mount Analog. Um let me just get my flim flams. There we go, my flim flams are situated. Uh, so, today we're going to talk about dinosaurs, we're going to talk about their extinction, because, why not? Because science and history and, and things. Real quick, there is a circus outside of my house, there's a construction site, there is a fire station, there is a school that is, um perpetually getting out on a loop, ringing bells. There is a bird atrium. There is also a zoo. And there is also an active uh, train yard all going off at the same time. So if you hear any sounds, I've done my best. And I'm just recording this because it needs to happen. So sounds and all, warts and all, here we go. You hear that? Active racetrack as well. Active racetrack. It's just part of it. I can't isolate all the sounds, so I do the best that I can. And I don't think I've ever listened to a podcast where it's just like crystal clear, no problems, except for like the really, really big ones. And um, it just is what it is. So yeah, life has been happening. Uh, raising small humans. Small human is thriving. Learning to use feet and legs to be a bipedal mammal. Uh really into drumming on things. He's really into hitting objects with other objects and hearing the sounds that they make. Super fascinating. Uh, or he's super fascinated by that. And I'm super fascinated by that. <laughs> and then other stuff is like, uh, you know, uh, creating as usual, making songs, making pieces of art, playing some shows. I did this like surprise pop-up show a couple days ago where the headliner could not make it to the event because of flights and they called me at a moment's notice and they were like yo you want to come play the show in a couple hours and I was like yes <laughs> so I was able to uh last minute get a babysitter thanks mom 
and uh, do the show, which was really cool. I feel like I met a lot of new people and potentially, hopefully, made some new fans of my music and stuff. So thanks for everyone who uh, didn't get refunds for that show and came out to see my weird music. Uh, by the time this podcast drops, I will have had a new uh, song out, probably like the day before this podcast comes out. If you're on my Patreon, you've heard the new song already because you're my sweet lovelies and you support me to the end of the earth and back. And for that, I cannot thank you enough. I love you. Thank you. The love is infinite and shining for my patrons. My sweet patron lovelies, you are the ones with the guiding light that bring me out of the darkness thank you so okay enough about me life has been good uh thankfully life has been good shows music art tiny human and trying to maintain health while while actively sitting at a computer for long periods of time which can be I get out there, I walk, I get out on walks every day, and I try, last week I slacked on exercising, but uh, for the most part I'm trying to maintain a somewhat consistent exercise routine, and I have this life hack where I play video games while I'm on an exercise bike, and it makes like a 10 mile bike ride go by in what feels like 5 to 10 minutes, so if you are inside and you're, um, you know, and you have access to an exercise bike, I highly recommend that life hack. You can't play, like, you can't play games that require an extreme amount of precision because your body is moving, uh, and you can't really, like, aim, like, if you're playing a first-person shooter, but you can play RPGs and anything that's, like, games where you have to just kind of, like, think a little more, I guess, or games that aren't just super fast-paced. Like, I've I've been playing Fallout 4, and which technically is like a first person shooter RPG, but it's not like a hyper technical first person shooter like uh like Doom or uh like uh Battlefield or anything like that or Halo. It's like pretty it's a pretty chill game to play on an exercise bike. <laughs> Highly recommend. Anyway, yeah, enough about me. Let's get into today's topic, which is a breakdown of what happened when an absolutely massive asteroid hit Earth 65 million years ago? And it's something we all learned about in grade school. It's, it's like a founding core node of knowledge that we all have. But it's not really something that we think too much about as adults. And there are so many fascinating details that we... Um, don't necess- we didn't necessarily learn as kids because it was kind of above our not like our level of understanding so as an adult it's kind of cool to go back and like read and listen to videos and podcasts about uh, when I was doing the research for this episode to learn about all of the little details that happened during the extinction or during the mass extinction event of the dinosaurs. So I'm going to break down those details a bit and give you a um, more of a play-by-play of how all of this went down. And like most of us know, this was 65 million years ago. And Earth used to be populated by, you know, dinosaurs. These giant uh, walking lizard, bird, 
beaked, t- t- giant toothed creatures. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of evidence today that uh, suggests that the majority of them actually looked like giant chickens. Actually, like, obviously we have the dinosaurs with massive teeth, massive rows of teeth, uh, carnivores, but there's a lot of dinosaurs that were beaked and uh, looked more like a rooster. But that's a whole different podcast to get in if we were going to fully dissect that. So anyway, 65 million years ago, Earth looked a lot different. This is the Cretaceous period, and it's a period that started 144 million years ago and ended 66 million years ago. It actually followed the Jurassic period and was succeeded by the Paleogen period. The Cretaceous period was 79 million years long, and it represents more time than has passed since the mass extinction event. So all of the time that exists uh, that spans the Cretaceous period is more time that has existed since the Creta- uh, Cretaceous period. It's a huge chunk of time where the Earth is uh, the Earth is developing and mutating and evolving. And this period, this period of time sees Earth's one major supercontinent separating into northern and southern continents. So now, instead of just one giant Pangaea, we have this continent called Laurasia in the north, and Gondwana in the south. And then as we go further and further towards the end of this time period, we see Africa and Australia and Asia and Antarctica starting to take their shapes. So lots of movement, lots of changes, lots of time. Uh, the climate was generally warmer and more humid than today. And there were a lot of active volcanoes, and there were high rates of seafloor uh, sea spreading. So there were cracks in the earth that were pushing out the tectonic plates, and the earth's whole crust and mantle were shifting, and volcanoes were going off. And it was just like very, very different. It was very, um, it was a lot more volatile compared to today. Also, the sea levels were um, hundreds of feet higher. There were a lot more seas and lakes and bodies of water on land. At the peak of the Cretaceous period, um, there was about 18% land mass on Earth compared to the 28% we have today. So there's 10% less land just on Earth in general because of the sea levels. Also, the temperature difference between the poles and the equator are about half of what they are today. So from the North or South Pole all the way to the equator, the temperature difference back the, back those million millions of years ago was about half of what it was where we're at now today. And during this lengthy period of time where Earth was growing and morphing and changing, dinosaurs ruled the land, the seas, and the skies. And although there were tons of dinosaurs, there were trillions of other organisms as well. Insects, plants, algae, fish. This is... Um, this is one of the most biodiverse times on Earth that has ever existed. And the Cretaceous period is biologically significant because it's a major part of the transition from early life forms of the Paleozoic era 
to the advanced diversity of the current era we're in now. Like, for example, most, if not all, of the flowering plants made their first appearance made their first appearance during the Cretaceous period. And although dinosaurs were the dominant animals of the period, many modern animals, including uh, a lot of the mammals we have today, made their debut in the Cretaceous period. And I'm not saying like, you know, I'm not saying animals that existed today existed during the Cretaceous period. What I'm saying is that the ancestors of animals of today made their debut in the Cretaceous period and through millions of years of change and evolution became what they are today. And it's really thriving. There's a lot of forests. I mean, it's nothing but like forests. The poles are a lot warmer. There's a lot of oceanic life. There's a rich biodiversity and all of this uh, dinosaur domination. And then one day, everything changes. And everything changes really, really fast. And there are a few things I want to say about this event before we get into it. This all happened millions of years ago. And scientists over many years of geological research have painted this picture of what they think happened. And there are conflicting thoughts and data sets as to what and how it all went down. But, the, but for the most part, the scientific community seems to agree that there was definitely a mass extinction event that happened during the end of the Cretaceous period, and that it was without a doubt due to an asteroid impact. So anyway, back to what I was saying, Earth is chilling and morphing and growing, and then everything changes really, really fast. And this asteroid that approaches Earth would have been something, if we were alive back then, it would have been something we would have seen for weeks upon its approach. It's something that the dinosaurs and the animals then, whether they you know, were actively looking at it, would have seen as well. Um, but it's something that could have been seen in the sky for weeks before it got here. And for weeks it grew bigger and brighter. And then eventually uh, it would have disappeared in Earth's shadow for a few hours. So you see it approaching for weeks, and then once it gets so close to Earth, Earth's shadow um, engulfs it, and it disappears for a couple hours. And then it gets so close, it would have gotten so close to Earth that it reappears as this massive, glowing, bright object. And by the time it reaches our atmosphere, it only takes a couple of seconds before it makes impact. So by the time it reemerges from Earth's shadow, and we see this huge ball of light, and it passes past the shadow into our atmosphere, we're talking like two seconds before we just see um, before it makes impact. It's actually, it, it actually traveled, they estimate that it traveled at 60 times the speed of sound. And the speed of sound is 761 miles per hour. So do the math. We're talking about 761 miles per hour times 60. That's how fast this asteroid was moving. It lands off the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula, which is a piece of Central America that separates the Gulf of Mexico and the Caribbean Sea. It's really hard to, at least for me, to imagine an object this big falling from space. 
It's taller than Mount Everest, and it's nine miles wide, and it weighs roughly two quadrillion pounds. That's two followed by 15 zeros. That's how much this thing weighs. And it hits. It lands in the ocean and vaporizes, and it releases the energy of billions of nuclear bombs all at once. And a huge sphere of pure energy engulfs the impact site. Immediately, all of the rock and water and everything is heated up to tens of thousands of degrees. And a giant sphere of energy begins to expand throughout the ocean. The thermal radiation from the explosion travels at the speed of light and instantly vaporizes everything within hundreds of thousands of miles. The crater that this impact created... Uh, is, well, is and was about 62 miles wide and goes about 15 miles deep. And this, it was such an impact, such a large impact with such uh, force and energy that the Earth's Earth's crust is pushed away like a liquid. And um, if you think about like, if you think about jumping into a puddle, how everything is displaced and pushed out of the puddle and there's like this empty space under the puddle. That's what this does. That's what this asteroid does. It pushes not only the ocean water, but the crust of the earth um, almost down to the mantle. It gets displaced like that. The crust literally liquefies with the water and gets pushed away like a, like a, like a puddle, um, <laughs> like a puddle wave. And all of this displaced water and earth gets shot into our atmosphere and out into space. And the amount of material that's actually displaced and goes into our orbit is about 60 times the mass of the asteroid itself. So the asteroid itself hits and it blasts all the stuff into earth and it's 60 times the amount. We're talking amount, uh, what did I, how, how much did this thing weigh? It weighed two quadrillion pounds, and then it's shooting 60 times that amount of material into Earth's atmosphere. And (laughs) this is like rock, water, debris, and just anything that's been vaporized and liquefied is getting shot out into space. And I actually read that this material got superheated into glass shards and rained back down upon Earth, and... It did even more damage than that, but I'm going to get into that in just a little bit about what this, what all of this displaced material did to Earth. And if you were a creature on Earth during the time of this impact, you felt it. Every creature, every organism, everything on Earth, whether land, sky, sea, it felt this impact. It, it, it fractured the tectonic plates, and it's, it's theorized that every volcano on Earth went off. So you knew what if even if you were completely on the absolute other side of earth where this hit you felt it. So like I said this this it landed in the you could it landed off the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula kind of close to Mexico and the Caribbean Sea um but clear over on the other side of earth around where India is today scientists think that a chain reaction happened and the volcanoes on that part of the continent went off 
went off for literally thousands of years after the impact, and it covered the entire continent with lava. The impact disrupted tectonic plates, and pretty much everywhere on Earth there's this tectonic plate shifting going on. The ground underneath the the creatures on Earth would have been cracking and opening and, and, and shifting. If you were an organism, if you were a creature that was lucky enough to be out of the vaporization zone of the impact site, you were still going to get irradiated and catapulted thousands of miles away. This is why scientists can and have found bones from dinosaurs in really strange places, like bones from South America all the way up in Montana, or parts of a Caribbean coral reef in Australian deserts and stuff. Because there was this giant shockwave of, of stuff sent everywhere. So things that didn't get completely vaporized, that were outside of the vaporization zone, still got hit with the shockwave that literally the force of it catapulted them across Earth. <laughs> this is how much energy we're talking about. This is how much um, this is how much force we're talking about. And even outside of that shockwave zone, everywhere on Earth, uh, even if you were outside of the impact zone, you're outside of the immediate shockwave zone. You were getting flooded. Um, waves flooded thousands of miles of of up the coast, all over Earth. And I want to get back to that debris that got shot into the atmosphere and out into Earth. All of that uh, displaced material. Lots of it goes up and comes back down very quickly. And it heats up in the Earth's atmosphere and rains back down upon Earth as glass and superheated rock and superheated uh, material. And it just pummels the entire planet. Hey yo, so this is like the middle of the show and I wanted to first of all thank everyone for dialing into this podcast. I'm glad that you're here and I'm glad that you are sharing this experience with me. If you'd like to support the podcast, leaving a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening to this on goes a really, really long way. Also, if you are able to leave a review for the podcast, uh, that also goes an, an extremely long way. Uh, another way you can support the podcast, other than just telling your friends and family about it, is signing up on my Patreon. There is a link in the description of this episode and all the episodes, or you can just go to patreon.com and search for Mount Analog, M-T, period, A-N-A-L-O-G-U-E. You get early access to podcasts, early access to my music, um, early access to art, and all kinds of other cool stuff. However you support, I cannot thank you enough. Infinite, infinite, infinite thank yous. I love you. Infinite blessings to you. Let's get back to the podcast. And remember, this was a lot of material. It's 60 times the mass of the asteroid, lots of rock, and lots of friction is happening in the Earth's atmosphere, and this is all heating the Earth's atmosphere up. And all of this friction causes the temperature on Earth to rise by thousands of degrees very quickly. And if you were on Earth dwelling 
And if you were an Earth-dwelling creature outside of the impact and tsunami zone and the catapult zone, you would have still died because of the temperatures, unless you were burrowed deep underground. And even if you were underground and you crawled out after the temperature stabilized, everything would have been either burnt to ash or actively on fire. <laughs> and I'm sure you can guess what happens next. Wildfires all across the, all across the earth, spewing ash and soot and volcanoes going off everywhere, doing the same thing, uh, putting out giant plumes of ash. It completely... Uh, all of this material gathers in the atmosphere, and it completely blocks out the sun. And the only light you would have seen on Earth at this time would have been light from the fires or active volcanoes. There was no sunlight. A hellscape of dinosaur doom. King, 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 volcanoes blotting out the sun. King, 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 fire, 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 it burns, volcanoes rot the earth, king, 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 king. So now with, within a matter of days, the global temperature crashes, because remember the sun's blocked out, we've got no sunlight coming in, we've got nothing to warm up the earth, other than the fires. No, I'm not going to do that again. We have, <laughs> we have nothing to warm up the earth. The sun is blocked out. So the global average temperature would have dropped to around, and this is all uh, you know, guesses by scientists, people much smarter than me. It would have dropped to about negative 13 degrees Fahrenheit everywhere, which to us, uh, it's it doesn't seem as drastic. I mean, negative 13 is nothing to be like, oh, negative 13, whatever. But you got to also remember that the creatures on Earth were used to very, like, tropical, very warm, very humid climates. And for it to drop to negative 13 for them probably would have felt like dropping to, like, negative 30 for us. Also, this covering of soot and ash blotting out the sun would have killed almost, um, it would have killed most of the algae in the oceans. And this would have a ripple effect throughout all of the oceans, disrupting the food chain and having this uh, domino effect that would kill most of the larger and smaller sea creatures. But somehow through all of this um, chaos and insanity and just this asteroid decimating creatures on Earth, somehow on the surface, some things did still survive. Ash and debris rain from the skies for a very, very long time. Fungus survives. Fungus will always survive. I'm fascinated by fungus and how it is just so resilient. <laughs> we enter an ice age. Things are dark and cold and harsh, and almost 80% of the species on Earth go extinct. And things stay cold and dark, and eventually they warm up. And ancestors of the survivors emerge, and we are descendants of those survivors in some form. We are part of the survival. Even if it's this pre-hominid creature type thing, um, a lot of uh, geologists and scientists have uncovered these small shrew-like animals that existed during the time of the dinosaurs, and... They looked like little moles, and whether we all want to agree on it or not, 
those are probably our ancestors, the ones that somehow survived all of that. And they were probably honestly chilling underground and they came up when the coast was clear. But it's just really weird to think about that our biological um, coding is linked to these little shrew mice mole creatures that existed during the dinosaurs. We're descendants of these little creatures. Which brings me to one of my favorite segments on the show, Let's Ask AI. Let's Ask AI. So I asked AI a pretty simple question, and uh, I just asked, how did some of the dinosaurs survive the asteroid impact? And AI answered, The asteroid impact that occurred approximately 66 million years ago at the end of the Cretaceous period is believed to have caused a mass extinction event that led to the extinction of the non-avian dinosaurs and many other species. However, some dinosaur groups did survive the impact and went on to evolve into birds, which are the only surviving dinosaur lineage today. The reason why some dinosaurs survived the impact while others did not is not entirely clear, but there are a few factors that may have played a role. One possibility is that some dinosaur species were better adapted to the changing environmental conditions that followed the impact. Such an increased darkness and cold temperature caused by the dust and debris in the atmosphere. Another possibility is that some dinosaur species were simply lucky enough to be in the right place at the right time. For example, in areas with more favorable environmental conditions or where they were not directly affected by the impact. It's worth noting that the impact would have had a catastrophic effect on the global ecosystem and even the dinosaurs that survived would have faced significant challenges in adapting to the new conditions. The fact that only a small number of dinosaur species survived and went on to evolve into birds is a testament to the severity of the impact and the subsequent environmental changes that occurred. So there you have it. I think that's a pretty good answer. And also they they, uh, talked a lot about uh, how dinosaurs are ancestors ancestors of birds. And That's something I feel like a lot of us know, but it's just a trippy fact. And I was reading more about it and why scientists came to that conclusion. And a lot of it has to do with the similarities of their bone structures, their uh, behavioral similarities, or their like theoretical behavioral similarities. And there are also similarities between fossilized dinosaur embryos um, that have a lot of parallels to what birds look like today. So there's a lot of evidence that says modern birds are descended from dinosaurs, which is just really trippy and weird to think about. And also, like I said before, um, I already kind of talked about it, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, fossil remains and a lot of bones and fossil remains that, that show that dinosaurs actually had beaks and even feathers. So that's just kind of a weird, trippy thing to think about, too. Like, when we think about uh, the Jurassic or the Cretaceous period, we think about giant lizards, but 
over half, if not more than over half, were probably giant chicken-looking things, which honestly is way more terrifying to me than a bunch of, like, dragons walking around eating stuff to have these giant chickens hanging out. (laughs) It's really scary. And then also another thought I had was that, um, you know, the giant dinosaurs or the giant chickens, bird chicken things that that were populating Earth and just crushing it, just dominate. They were the dominant species on Earth. Um, they got decimated by this asteroid, and the ones that somehow survived all of this were probably chilling underground, and they were the little shrews, and they morphed into humans, which which evolved into the peak apex species today. And how we probably didn't, we didn't do it using our jaws. We didn't do it using our claws. We did it with our minds. And we did it with cooperation. And, you know, the, the, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. So keep thinking and keep evolving. And who knows what kind of catastrophes we can survive if we think hard enough and we cooperate with one another. We'll probably keep going if and when something like this happens again, if we, uh, are, if we become smart enough. So thank you, little sh- thank you, little shrews, for giving us another chance, for giving us an opportunity to grow and flourish in the face of adversity. And this brings me to a segment I like to do at the end of every episode, fun facts. Today's fun facts I'm going to keep on topic, and they're going to all be about dinosaurs. So I have about uh, one, two, three, four, I have about five of them, and they're pretty brief, but let's run through them. The first one is humans have been around for about 0.1% the amount of time the dinosaurs were, which is just insane when you think about time and you think about how sometimes things can feel like they take a really long time and how even that amount of time is just a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a blip of a fraction of how long the dinosaurs were around. As a species, just all together, we've been around 0.1% of the amount of time the dinosaurs were around on Earth. That's insane. The next fact is that uh, the word dinosaur was coined by an English paleontologist named Richard Owen in 1842. And the word di- and the word means terrible lizard, but it's not because they're scary. It refers to their enormous size. I'm going to butcher the name of this dinosaur. Argentinosaurus was the largest dinosaur just period and of 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 fossil records we've ever found. And it reached a size of about 130 feet long. The next fun fact is that we, um, you know, we're still learning, not we, I'm not a uh, paleontologist, but the scientific community is still learning about dinosaurs. And the oldest one known to us right now is the Aoraptor. It's an omnivore that roamed the earth around 230 million years ago. This next fun fact is pretty trippy. So, Billions of years ago, water arrived on Earth, and it's thought that it possibly came as ice on meteorites and crashed into Earth. And 
these same water molecules continue to evaporate, condense into clouds, and precipitate, which means that we're all drinking the same water that dinosaurs did millions of years ago. So we share, their, we share water with dinosaurs. And that pretty much wraps up the podcast. Uh, why did I pick this topic? Because why not? Because dinosaurs are tight. Giant lizards, giant chickens roaming the earth millions of years ago, um, and then getting just vaporized by an asteroid and things going into Ice Age hibernation and coming coming out millions of years later. Like It's just, it's our history. It's our history as a species and it's our history as a collective consciousness and a and a collective earth uh earth energy and it's just it's cool it's fascinating to me <laughs> and that's kind of like uh the sort of topics I want to pick for this podcast are things that just um things that help us feel connected and help us make sense of reality and what better way to feel connected to earth and to this web of energy than to think about all of the billions of years this planet has existed and what has happened on it and where we're yet to go and the things we're yet to discover and invent and explore and create so that's why i picked this topic i thought it was interesting and i just thought also thought it was um really crazy to imagine that happening or like really crazy to imagine um, something that massive of an event occurring. It's really humbling. It's really humbling to think about how much time has passed and how much uh, Earth has been through and all of the creatures on Earth have been through and how we're still here doing the thing. It's a testament to the resilience of life in general. So with that, you know, keep moving forward. You can overcome the asteroid that has landed in your pocket of consciousness and you can overcome anything that comes your way. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing this experience. Thank you for being here with me to talk about dinosaurs. <laughs> and, um, remember to check on your mental health Remember to check on the mental health of your loved ones. Bye. Talks. Analog thoughts. Analog thoughts. Analog.